You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George, which is from our sermon series, Where is God? For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Hey, uh, good morning. Hey, I'm on time today. You, You have to watch last week to understand what that means. But it's good to see each and every one of you. It's great to be part of Jake's team uh, on the worship team. Uh, the, the acoustic set was cool. Did, did the Holy Spirit minister to you? Yeah. I know he did me. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's an honor to be a part of that team. And it's just so awesome that we get to worship together. Uh, I want to welcome each and every one of you that are here today. Uh, can we let those who are online with us know that we love them and that we're with them? Listen, I know it's a funky time, and, and uh, there's a number of people that are dealing with some illnesses, uh, some severe, some, you know, just kind of the cold or maybe the flu, and, and some, of, you know, some of our people are dealing with COVID. I get that. I understand that. We're going to pray in a minute. We're going to rebuke that mess in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for restoration and healing, uh, but let me first uh, refer back to last week. We talked about something last week uh, that... Uh, We looked at when Jesus seems to show up late, and we talked about how, you know, we've experienced that in our own lives, and we we looked at the story of Lazarus and and how he died, and and he was sick, and, and, you know, Martha and Mary wanted Jesus to come so he can do what only he could do, but he didn't show up when they needed him to. He didn't show up when they expected him to, when they wanted him to, and what happened? Lazarus ended up dying. But then Jesus shows up on the scene and he actually did something far beyond what Mary and Martha wanted him to do. Right? They had an expectation, but he far exceeded their expectation. Today is going to be a little bit more difficult than last week. Just a little bit more difficult than last week. And we're going to talk about when God doesn't do what we ask him to do. When we pray and pray and pray and ask God to do something specific and he doesn't do it. When God doesn't want to do what we want him to do and doesn't cooperate with us. Isn't that frustrating? If we're being completely honest. I mean, we know God can do something. We pray as if God can do something. We believe that God can do something and we believe that he will, but he doesn't. It's not a fun message. I wasn't prepping this week going, man, I cannot wait to give this one. But I believe this message will help us better understand the will of God, say the will of God. God. And we'll learn to depend on him during those times when God seems like he's not doing what we're asking him to do. Are you cool with that? Say I'm cool with that. All right. I want to intro with uh, just a couple of quick stories, Uh, one significant, one important. But uh, the first one is, I am the resident IT guy at my house. Anybody, any husbands have a wife that say, my computer's not, my printer's not printing. Can you fix it? 
Am I only, I'm not the only one. I can't be the only one. When my wife's computer is not working, if it doesn't turn on, if the printer doesn't print what she's trying to print, she calls me into the room to fix it. And I remember this one time I was working on her computer, her laptop, and it, uh, for some reason it wasn't connecting or she couldn't get a document or whatever. And I went in there and I don't know about you, but sometimes if, if, it, if the computer's not doing what I need it to do, I get a little bit frustrated. And uh, I got to the point where I just said, forget it. I'm going to lay hands on it and pray over it. <laughs> I know you've all been there. And the amazing thing is I did that, turned it off, turned it back on. Everything worked. <laughs> Glory to God. And... But then, you know, all of the people we talked about last week, those trying to conceive, those who are, are asking God to give them a spouse, those who are dealing with the loss of a job or, you know, they're stuck in a job or those whose relationships are going south and, and all of, you know, all of those uh, who send in their prayer requests, praying for significant things like cancer and, and healing of addictions and all of it that the staff prayed for. You know what? God didn't answer, as far as I know, any of those prayer requests from last week but he answered an insignificant one about a computer why would God do something so insignificant answering a prayer about some computer but not something important, like over our children, or a job, or a relationship, or a healing. Have you ever asked that question? Why isn't God doing what I'm asking him to do? And, and I know that there's a lot of us that have to be, or might be, in a Similar spot. Well, we're praying for something. We're asking God to do something important. I mean, knowing that if you're like me, you've kind of went around Sun Valley Mall or a grocery store praying for a parking spot. I mean, let's be honest. We all have. Can't win a bargain. Just pray. He gave you that parking spot at the mall, but he didn't heal your migraines. He gave you that parking spot at the mall, but he didn't heal your relationship or he didn't restore your health or you didn't get that job. You still deal with the pain or you're still trying to conceive a child. I mean, you believe and you've been, you have been believing and you have been praying, but God doesn't do anything. Nothing's happening. Why isn't God cooperating with me? Why isn't God doing what I need him to do? I mean, you're a follower of Jesus and you believe that God can heal. It's in his character to heal. But he's not. God doesn't answer your prayer. And I got this strong feeling that every single one of us in this room has wrestled with that fact. I have... I, I have 
the strong feeling that every one of you watching online either are wrestling with that fact or have at some point in your life. So Father, I echo the prayer of Pastor Jesse. I pray that you open our ears and you stretch our hearts, Father God. And let your word and your truth take root, take up residence in our life, Father. So we can leave here differently than the way we came in. I also pray for all of those who are dealing with the affliction of illness in their life right now, whether it's from a cold to cancer, Father God. I pray in the name of Jesus that healing will take place, restoration will take place, and you know who they are, Father. So we lift them up to you right now. We lift them up and ask that you have your way. Make them whole, make them complete, Father. Give them comfort, take away the pain. Heal them in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. Amen. Today, I wanna look at the life of the Apostle Paul. And I wanna look at a, 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 a particular story that will bring out three thoughts about prayer. And these are three thoughts that I'm going to echo because others have spoke these thoughts into my life when I was going through a very, very, very difficult season in my life somewhere in 2017. These three thoughts helped me navigate what my wife and I thought was probably the worst season of our life. And I pray, my prayer is, is that they, these three thoughts will minister to you as they did me. And they will speak to you as well, wherever you might be today. The first thing we need to understand about prayer, when we're praying, believing, and asking God to do something, and he doesn't do what we ask, the first thing we need to do is understand that true prayer isn't about getting our way. True prayer is about surrendering our will to God. It's about not getting what we want. It's surrendering surrendering our will, our wants, our desires to God. to what God wants. I mean, we have a model of this in Jesus himself, the very person that, you know, we committed our life to and said, I'm, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna follow your example. I'm gonna do what you say because you are my Lord. What did Jesus do in the garden? He modeled this. He prayed this in the garden before going to the cross. He said, not My will be done, but whose? Yours. Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus also taught us how to pray. And when he taught us how to pray, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is an extremely dangerous prayer, by the way, if you are used to doing what you want, how you want it done. 
Jesus himself said, thy will be done as it is in heaven. It's not about getting God to do what we want. Can we all agree on that? It's surrendering our will, what we want, our desires, how we think it should go, surrendering that to what God wants. I think the Apostle Paul knew a little about this. I mean, if there's anyone who deserved to have his prayers answered, it's the Apostle Paul. A little backstory on Paul. And you guys may be familiar with the life story of Paul. He's introduced on the scene by being known as someone who really hates Christians. Hates them so much, what did he do? He killed them. Had them killed, persecuted them. He despised them and killed them. And then, at some point, he was saved. He came to a, uh, this miraculous conversion. And he moved, you know, where he, he moved from hating Christians to becoming a hero of our faith. I mean, this dude wrote half of the New Testament. He traveled on, on a, a ship for about 20 years, taking the Gospels uh, to every part of the world he could get to. And this, uh, the Apostle Paul was extremely bold in his faith. He had incredible visions. He, he raised the dead. And he started churches throughout the countryside. If anyone should have their prayer answered, you would think it would be somebody like the Apostle Paul with some credits like that, right? But see, he also paid a price for that. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. Uh, shipwrecked. He, he was beaten like five times. And, you know, some scholars say that, you know, he was whipped up to 39 times because if you're whipped 40 times, it would it'd be considered murder. And this happened over five times. He was snake-bitten. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was left for dead. Mostly dead. And after enduring all of that, after going through all of the beatings and the, the, the snakes and the shipwrecks and the imprisonment, what do you think his reward was? Hey, good job, Paul. High five. You're the man. No. Did he get to live a long and, and easy life as a reward for all of the, the amazing things he did and, and all of the trials he went through? Paul tells us himself, and he shows us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, this is Paul speaking. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. A thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. I was given this to keep me from getting big-headed and conceited. 
It's a challenging text, isn't it? I mean, here we have Satan bringing something into the Apostle Paul's life that God allows it. But God uses it to keep him from becoming conceited. He has his thorn. What is his thorn? No one really knows. I mean, it's been debated for years. And, and a lot of scholars have their guess as to what it may have been. I mean, the bottom line, whatever it may be, it was agonizing. It was agonizing. But we don't know exactly what it is. It's something that tormented him for a long time. Most scholars believe it may have been a physical ailment. You know, something like a, 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 an everlasting migraine or a, a, a speech impediment or a problem with eyesight or maybe some kind of disease. Other scholars believe it was more, uh, you know, like temptation or opposition that he had to wrestle with. But whatever Paul had, whatever the thorn was, God allowed it and God used it from, for, you know, used it to keep Paul from becoming conceited. I think many of us today have some thorns in our life. Maybe it's a, a struggle or it's an issue that, or, or maybe it's a challenge that we just seem to not be able to shake. That you're praying and asking God to remove it or heal it or, or take care of it and God's not doing what you are asking him to do. Maybe you're, you know, some of you may say that my challenge, my issue, my thorn is a person. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe, maybe it's arthritis. You've been praying and asking God to take this arthritis away, but you, you're still dealing with it. He's not doing what you're asking him to do. Maybe it's headaches. Maybe you're asking God to deliver you from depression and you're still dealing with it. Maybe it's a, a, a change of your situation. Maybe you need a reliable mode of transportation and you're asking God to provide it and he's not. Maybe you're praying that God changes it. Maybe it's sleep issues. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe whatever it is, you're, you're praying and praying and believing and believing and he's not doing what you're asking him to do. We have to remember that prayer isn't about getting our way. Prayer isn't about getting what we want. Prayer is about surrendering our will to God. It's saying that even though I wish you would do this for me, God, and you're not. I'm choosing to trust you anyway. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life in such a way that's going to reflect my trust in you. The second thought about prayer that really spoke to me that I wanted to share with you is this. That prayer reminds us that we are not in control but it, prayer keeps us to the one or close to the one who is. 
Prayer reminds us that we are not in control, but keeps us close to the one who is. Prayer reminds me that I'm not the Lord of my life. Let that sink in for a second. Prayer reminds me that I am not the Lord of my life. I always find this entertaining, at least to me. A little peek behind the curtain. When people say, Lord, have your way in me. How many of us prayed that? Let's be honest. But then we go out and live the way we want to live. I am not the Lord of my life. You are not the Lord of your life. Because we cannot control all situations. Prayer keeps me close to the one who is. This thorn. I think this thorn did this for the Apostle Paul. Three times Paul pleaded. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to do what? Take it away from me. I'm begging you, Lord. I'm begging you. Pleading with you. Now, this doesn't mean that Paul prayed three times in one day for a particular situation. He didn't like wake up, eat breakfast, and pray for it, eat lunch and pray for it, and pray before dinner. It was three significant seasons of prayer. How long was it? Seasons. Three significant seasons of praying, petitioning, interceding, begging, pleading with God. Three seasons. Honestly, like I'm referring back to what I mentioned earlier, Kristen and I had a really difficult, very difficult 2017. It was a nine-month stretch where I was seriously considering getting out of the ministry and, and like going and getting a truck driver job. I was done. There was turmoil in our home. And, and it, there was a, I mean, we were being attacked like crazy. And Kristen and I spent seasons of praying and begging God and pleading and chasing after God, asking him to heal and restore and do what only he can do. We're asking him to give us hope that we couldn't, like, manufacture ourselves a hope and a peace and a comfort and a healing that only comes from him. And it's in that point of desperation that you really understand what pleading and begging really means. Some of you may be right there in a similar situation in a season right now saying, God, please, God, please heal my cancer. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. God, save my child. I'm begging you. Let my child see you for who you are. God, I'm begging you. I'm, I, I, this addiction is controlling me. You're supposed to be the one controlling me. I'm begging you, take it away. It's killing me.
Maybe some of you, maybe some of the students, you're begging God that he saves your parents' marriage. It's not a one-time SOS prayer. It's not a prayer that we pray when, when we get to that point where we've exhausted all of our human natural abilities to try and fix something. It is an ongoing, all-day, uh, believing prayer. And we pray it until God does something. Like Paul, seasons of prayer. Not just ah prayer. Paul begs, please take this away. Take this away. You know, and, and if, if I'm God and, and one of my main men, the apostle Paul was asking for that, what do you think I would say? Of course, you got it, man. I'll take care of it. Whatever you ask. I mean, we got to remember, what did God do for Paul already? I mean, God has already answered so many prayers to even count. He used Paul and has done many miracles through Paul. Paul knew what God can already do. He's experienced it. So, if, so of course, God's going to come through for Paul. And he's going to come through again because he's done it so many times. Paul begs him, and what does God say? He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, but God said to me. Let's read this again. What did he say? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God, please, God, please, just do this one thing that I'm asking. And if you do, if you answer and do this one thing that I'm asking, then I promise I can more effectively serve you. And God says, no. God, if, if you heal me, if you change my circumstances, if you fix my problem, if you relieve my pain, then I can be a better servant of you and of people. It sounds like a, a, a pretty good deal, right? And God says, no, not on this one. I'm not going to do it. God says, no. What God does say is he says, my grace is sufficient. My grace for you is more than you will ever need. Now, some of us may be asking, what, what does that mean? What grace? You know, what doesn't grace bring the forgiveness of sins? I mean, we are saved by what? Grace. Here's what we need to understand. That grace is far more than that. In fact, the word that translates as grace is charis. 
And it's, it's used over like 155 times in the New Testament. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of grace. And grace translated means undeserved favor. It, it means grace, but you've got to understand that it means so much more than that. I heard, a, I heard this word picture of how one guy much smarter than me put it. He said this, that God freely extends himself leaning and reaching to us because he is disposed to bless and be near to us. What a beautiful word picture of grace. He's saying, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning in. It's the leaning in of God. It's the reaching in. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show you his presence. I mean, here's what typically happens. We, we tend to say something like this. You know, me, this is what I need. This is God, God, this is what I need. This is what I want. If you do this, then I'll have what I want. And because I know what I want is actually what I need. And here's what God says. No, I am what you need. I am what you need because I am more than enough. I am sufficient. My grace in this situation is really what you need. It's the leaning in. It's the, it's the, the leaning in and the presence of God in our life. It's like God saying, you know what? I, I could do what you're asking. I can answer your prayer. I can give you what you're asking for. I can do that. I've done it before and I may do it again. But in this particular situation that you're praying about, you are going to experience me. I'm not going to give you what you want. You're going to experience my presence in a way that you could not have if I did for you what you wanted me to do. It's the leaning in of God. It's the reaching presence of God. It's so hard to explain it, but you have to, you only can experience it. You have to experience it. How, how'd you get through this? I don't know. By the grace of God. I mean, how are you surviving what you're going through? How are you going through chemo session after chemo session and feeling the way you do, but it's not affecting your joy? I'm not sure but it's by the grace of God. It's the leaning in. It's the reaching, actively reaching presence of God himself. You see this, and I don't know if this could do it justice, but you, you see this with a loved one in the hospital. How many by a show of hands, we've had a loved one in the hospital that, that we've had to go and spend time with? Just me? Sorry, I got to take care of some medical issue here. It's so hard to explain. You have to experience it. You see with a, a loved one in the hospital, what do you do when you have a loved one in the hospital? You do whatever needs to be done. You do what needs to be done to comfort them. And what do we do? 
we go there and we sit by their bedside. And what do we do? We talk with them. Sometimes we talk to them. Some of us may even sing to them to bring them comfort. Many of us, if not all of us, have prayed with them, haven't we? What do we do? We go above and beyond our own comfort to be what they need at that moment. Everything about your presence brings comfort to them. Everything about you being there with them brings comfort and peace to them. You're saying, like God says to us, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm right here with you. I'm with you. I'm Emmanuel. I'm with you. I've got you. I think we've all experienced that at some point in our life from someone else who really loves us. That's what I'm talking about here. This is how God is. He's saying, I want my presence to be a blessing to you. I can do this, but in this particular situation, I want you to experience me in a way you have never experienced me before. My grace is going to be sufficient for you. Listen, we need to recognize that, that prayer reminds us that we are not in control, but it puts us close to the one. It, it, it makes us depend on the one who is. And prayer is not about getting what we want or getting our own way. Prayer is about surrender, surrendering our will to God. And that God is not here to serve us. We were created to serve and glorify him. I think sometimes we get this twisted. I think sometimes we go, well, if God doesn't come through and answer my prayer, then I'm out. We kind of chuckle because if we're being honest, we've all done that. If you're really real, God, you will do this. And he doesn't. Okay. I'm not tithing this week. Or I'm not going to church. What's the point? We get it twisted. Which brings us to our third thought on prayer. You have to understand this, that prayer isn't just asking, but prayer is what? Trusting. It's just not asking, it's trusting. Alertness check. Your word's asking. Your word's trusting. Prayer is just not trusting. It's trusting. It's just not trusting. It's trusting. You guys are awake. Except for that back row back there. <laughs> How you guys doing? Prayer is just not asking what for what you want. Prayer is trusting that God knows what's best for you. Yes, I, I, and, and I, I understand this as well. Yes, prayer is also asking. 
Like I said earlier, it's asking all day long. It's believing all day long. It's asking in the name of Jesus because Jesus uh, uh, can heal. And Jesus, the name of Jesus is above all other names. And you know what? You know, a, a disease, cancer is a name that Jesus is above that name. And we believe that God can heal because Jehovah Rapha, he, I, he is my healer. We believe that God can provide. Jehovah, it's his character, Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. We believe it. It's, an, it's, it's who he is. We believe that God can do miracles. So what do we do? We ask and we trust. We what? And we trust. Yes. Hey, guys. We ask and we trust. Even James, the writer of James, book of James. He says, we have not because we ask not. So you guys know. You could preach this. We have not because we ask not. So ask. Ask. So we will ask, we're going to ask and we're going to believe for miracles and we will see miracles, but there will be times where God says no because it's just not asking, but it's also trusting. This is what Paul is having to do. Years later, as we pick up the story, Paul is looking back on the thorn that he still currently has. God hasn't taken it away. And what Paul is, is trying to help us to understand is that we have to have a different perspective. And that's actually a good thing. We have to reframe how we see this. It's amazing how you can have a painting in your home and say, man, that painting's kind of ugly. It doesn't really go with, where's Pam? Pam Schmitz, she, she understands this. Maybe, um, or maybe I don't understand it and Pam can correct me. Um, but you could have a painting or a picture in your home and the painting could be good, bad, or ugly in and of itself. But you know what a frame does? The right frame around that picture, it kind of ties it into your home and your, your existing decor. Pam, am I right? Give, give me like a thumbs up if I'm right. If I'm not right, talk to me after service. But we have to reframe it. We have to have a fresh camera angle, a new perspective. And this is what Paul's doing. And it's actually a good thing. He says in chapter 12, verse 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to celebrate my weaknesses. That goes counter to what the world says. We're taught to hide our weaknesses. You're a grown man. You shouldn't be crying. Give me your man card. So I will, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Whose power? Christ. Christ's power. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. Say delight. Delight. In weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I get giddy in persecution. <laughs> I'm excited to go through difficulties. I delight 
in these trials. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's the power of Christ. I delight in these things. Listen, I would never choose these trials. I delight in them, but I'd never choose them because I know I will experience the power and the presence of God in those things. It's not the triumphs that bring me closer to God, but it's the trials that leave me no choice but to depend, to depend on God, to know him in a real way, to know him in an intimate way, to experience that leaning in presence of God's grace. I mean, what if we did change our perspective? What, what, if, we, what if we changed our language? And it's, instead of speaking death about all of the, the crap we go through, Forgive me for saying that, but. And we looked at it with excitement, with, like Paul, delight. Saying, I delight in these trials because they teach me to trust in the presence of God in a way that I would never otherwise. Hey, listen, I delight in this loneliness that I'm facing because my God said he will be with me. He will never leave me. And I get to experience that in a, in, in a, in a way in my desperation and loneliness that I would never experience otherwise. Or maybe, you know, I delight in my job search. I'm excited that I have the ability. We're changing perspectives. We're reframing this from a negative to a positive. I delight my job search. Yeah, I know I don't have the money. I don't know where it's going to come from. But man, I know my God will provide because his grace is more than I will ever need. How'd you make it through it? I don't know must be the grace of God. The reaching, leaning in, presence of God. I mean, looking back to my own life, there are a number of things that I had to grow through. See what I did there? I'm changing it from I had to go through it. I got to grow through it. A number of things. And, and you, you probably have done this in your own life. But I had to grow through it and I hated it. I hated the process. I hated the, the trial. I mean, like I, the running theme through these three messages, diabetes. 36 years old. Living my best life, diabetes. Not just like type 2 diabetes, like the real diabetes. <laughs> Listen, I can say that because I have it. Not diminishing type 2, but type 1 diabetes chain, rocked my world. Dead. My wife and I struggled with debt for years. The loss of a, a loved one, having my grandmother pass just at the very beginning of this whole COVID mess. 
And I think back on all of those things, and I go, and there's so much more. Would I change any one of them? I mean, I'd never choose to go through it. I, I wouldn't want to go through it all again. But you know what? I wouldn't change any of it. You know why? Because of God's grace. What God did in me and through me as I, as I learned how to grow and change my perspective through each of those negative experiences and those trials and, and just the leaning in and the presence of God through that, I would have missed it. I would have never experienced it if I didn't have to go through those trials. Some of you are there today. And I'm gonna ask that you stand with me because we're gonna have a moment where the living hope of God can speak in to your current situation right now because I know I am not the only one who, are, who is dealing with negative things in life. Whether it's your anxiety, your addiction, your loss of job, you don't know where your income's coming from, you're, man, you're, you're struggling through debt, your relationship is going south. You're dealing with cancer or an Ill, illness that doesn't, doesn't seem to go away. I remember someone early on when I was on staff here and I, I was newly diagnosed and this person lovingly, caringly because she only wanted the best for my wife and I, I'm praying that God heals you. He's gonna take away the diabetes. And you know what? Uh, and if, if, you, if you're the person and you remember this conversation, forgive me, but in the back of my mind saying, no, I don't want him to take it away. As much as I struggle with it and hate it, that's one of the pathways I get to experience God's grace. He may never take it away. But as long as I have to deal with whatever situation I'm dealing with, I want to experience him right beside me. Let's pray that God changes our perspective. And when we pray, let's remember and recognize that when we pray to God for something, but he doesn't do it, it's not about getting your way. It's about surrendering your will to him. Prayer reminds us that we are not in control. That should be a relief to a lot of us. But it, it leads us to lean into the one who is. And it's just, prayer is not just about asking. It's also about trusting, trusting God that he will do what only he can do. So as we sing, let's just lift up, lift up our prayers to God. He may or may not answer them, but we're gonna leave here confident that our God has, he's right here with us. I was gonna say he has our back, but he's actually right alongside of us. And we can leave here differently than the way we came in. Amen. 